Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey friends, welcome back. This is Julie Bender. Oh, hey Julie. You know, this week we're going to talk about single moms and I know there was a season where you found yourself in this place and you know we have a lot of friends and family who are living there and we thought we wanted to give a shout out to them <laughs> encouragement and a little bit of understanding and insight today for sure I'm looking forward to our conversation first let's go to the internet for some things that are said about moms or by moms mm. I think this one's entirely true after I get my kid to bed, I sneak out of the room like a prisoner escaping. <laughs> I make it to the hall. If I make it to the hall with the door closed, room still quiet, I am free. <laughs> oh, God bless those moms who really have that type of experience. <laughs> well, when your mom asks, do you want a piece of advice? It is a mere formality. It doesn't matter if you answer yes or no. You're going to get it anyway. That's Irma Bombeck's quote. Um, I feel like that is true I for many a woman. Yeah, and I actually have to say to myself, uh, don't say that to your child. Because <laughs> I do have two adult daughters. It's an easy fallback. <laughs> uh, I don't know which is scarier, that my daughter is starting to act like me or I'm starting to act like my mother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, both are terrifying. Mm. All right. Motherhood is part of a scientific experiment to prove that sleep is not crucial to the human experience. <sighs> so sad. A moment is, of silence for those currently not getting sleep. Yeah, we should. We should actually step back and say, we feel you. <laughs> Solidarity. Yes. Ooh, being a child at home alone in the summer is a high-risk occupation. If you call your mother at work 13 times an hour, she can hurt you. Another Irma Bombeck quote. Yeah, and I lived through that. I wanted that <laughs> in here because there were times that my daughters were home alone. Okay, they were old enough to be home alone. Okay, guys. <laughs> and I was at the office and it'd be like, seriously, you are seriously calling me about this and you've already asked me <laughs> five other irrelevant things. <laughs> and I have promised you I will always pick up the phone when you call because it could be an emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could hurt you right now. <sighs> the struggle. Okay, well, being a mother makes you realize that you can literally do almost anything with just one hand. Yeah, you came in today with Rev on your arm and four other things on your other arm. And, you know, that's real life experience, isn't For it, For sure. That is just how we roll as mamas. Moms on Pinterest talk about making soap. Nope. And, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and holiday-themed crafts. I'm like, I took a shower and the kids are still alive. For real. I mean, and you're like, you're the first half or you're the second half. And it's okay, whichever one you are. Well, and I think the first half, I'm sorry, ladies, but you've got to also go, but I didn't get a shower today. My kids aren't dying, but you know what? I'm going to feed them cereal for dinner, maybe. 
I mean, I think the real truth is, is and you can find a million quotes like this on the internet and or you need to pin some on your Pinterest board. We're all just trying to find that seemingly impossible thing called balance and motherhood. And once we finally give up and recognize that there is no such thing as perfectly balancing all the things, that's when we have any chance of getting any of it right. Right. It's so true. And to be honest, it's one thing if you're a married mom that has a partner who may or may not be that good at contributing, but (laughs) you could at least hand the kid off to them. Or if you're doing it alone, Mm -hmm. if you're doing it alone where you're sharing custody or whether you're just really doing it alone, it's a whole nother thing. But life can be summed up in one sentence. It didn't go as planned. Yeah. I mean, that is especially true of single moms. You have this quote here by Yvonne Kaloki. She said, just because I'm a single mother doesn't mean I cannot be a success. And we definitely believe that is true. And it's our hope in this episode to acknowledge that single motherhood is incredibly hard but that it also can be done incredibly well. And we hope that in this conversation, you will be reminded of that very truth. So today we're going to be joined by one of our Grit and Grace writers, Kim Brinegar. She's here to share her story, how she became a single mom, and what she learned in those years. She's a women's ministry leader dedicating her life to encouraging women to live for God's glory despite what life brings. Having trained as a volunteer counselor for Respiro.org to better equip the church to minister to each other and completing the Townsend Leadership Program to better understand the process of character structure, she comes with unique insight into this subject. We're so excited that she brings encouragement and some practical ways of living as a mother who finds herself doing it alone. Welcome, Kim, to this Grit and Grace Life. Good to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to help talk about this topic. For sure. We are so looking forward to it as well. Before we jump all the way into what we're here to discuss today, will you just tell us a little bit about what a day in the life of Kim is like? Well, today it's much different than it has been for a while. We retired recently and moved to Bend, Oregon. So mm-hmm. I get up when at seven, maybe. I'm a writer, so I write morning pages, usually first thing in the morning, just three pages, Bible study, prayer, that kind of thing. And then we find a way to sweat. We usually go to the gym. I have a dance class, snowshoe, hike, bike, all those things. Um, My husband and I love to do outside. And then I usually find a way to have tea with a book or connect with friends or something like that. I'm kind of an introvert, so I have to have that quiet time. And then we try to connect with one of our kids' families. We've got five kids and lots of grandkids, so... I try to make it a daily habit to connect with some of them at some point, somehow. That's awesome. Um, And then we love to cook together. So we make our dinner and every day I try to work in somewhere where I can have popcorn. (laughs) Wow. Julie, I'm looking at Julie. Her eyes are glazing over. It's very similar to my life right now. Please. (laughs) I would, I would pine for one of those days. I know. I know. I was talking to my daughter-in-law the other day and she said we were in the hot tub. I hate to say that. moms who have kids (laughs) but we'd just been to the gym and we got in the hot tub and and she just said my dream day (laughs) and then I'm thinking my dream day is to spend it with my grandkids so 
Yeah. There you go. Ever-changing seasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Right. So we're going to start into this conversation about your experience when you became a single mom. But Kim, we know that you married relatively young and all appearances are that what you seem to have was a good marriage. Um, give us a little bit of the beginning of that relationship, the beginning of that marriage. Yeah, I thought we had a good marriage and, and it was surprised to me to find out to find it going downhill we we met when i was waitressing and i was attending college and he was a restaurant manager we were just 20 and 22 and both christians i had accepted the lord as a teen and he'd been raised in a christian family but i realized now that we were very young and didn't understand what each of us was bringing into our marriage um, and it gave us a rough start i was what i would call an emotional orphan My parents were not emotionally available to us as I grew up, and there was really no nurturing in our home. And my role kind of defaulted to being the caretaker for my parents' needs, just trying to make them happy with me. And so I ended up caring for them a little more than they cared for me. Uh, They were rarely home, so I pretty much raised myself from about third grade on. And I thought I was marrying into a loving family, which my in-laws were, but I I didn't recognize that my husband struggled with depression. He really had trouble finding happiness in anything, and he pretty much kept everything inside. Mm -hmm. So without realizing it, I went to work doing the same thing I do with my parents, just trying to make him happy. Well, it sounds like you're saying, you know, you guys kind of both came in with some unhealth and likely Mm -hmm. he had some ideas of how marriage should work. That was different from yours. What are some Mm -hmm. examples of how that kind of played out? Yeah. Well, in the months after we married, it became evident that his idea of marriage was very different than mine. He became jealous of my time, which was something new away from him. I felt I, he felt I should be more focused on him, which meant he wanted me to quit college. Mm. That was a big thing, but I wanted a happy home. And I struggled with this image I had of a proper Christian wife and a lifestyle that I hadn't grown up with because I'd never seen it modeled. Mm. So when he asked me to quit school, I did. And thinking I should be devoted to my husband's needs, I found a full-time job. So our marriage kind of went on from there, and um, that set the tone for how we would handle the future. Did it occur to you at that time, Kim, that maybe this wasn't a good idea, or maybe he was asking too much? It did. Uh, You know, I, I would say I have probably more regret about that now than I had awareness of it then. Yeah. I was so used to being the one that had to be enough in order to be in relationship Mm -hmm. that I let that happen. Um, And that's part of, you know, as as we talk later, that's part of the shame. I think we carry when we look back and realize we probably could have done more. Hmm. Were there other indicators or other events kind of early on or in the first part of your marriage that kind of helped you to see that maybe your relationship wasn't as healthy or was heading in a troubled way? Yeah, there were. Eventually, he grew unhappy with our lives and wanted us to leave our hometown, Mm -hmm. all our friends and our family. And I went along with it again, telling myself it was the honorable Christian wife thing to do. I saw it as a young couple's adventure. Mm -hmm. So we moved our, by then we'd been married uh, a little over five years. Um, We moved our 
three-year-old and eight-month-old sons away from their grandparents, uh, a 10-hour drive away to Santa Cruz, California, um, where he found a very good job um, that sent him overseas for weeks or months at a time. Mm -hmm. So during that travel, of course, we were very much alone. Um, we didn't know anyone in our new town. He wasn't calling home as often. Um, and that was when I knew we were really heading for trouble. I could tell he was pulling away from me and from us. So how did I handle that? I, of course, tried to talk to him, but he would deny anything, any of it. I asked him if we could go to counseling, but he didn't want to go. I did everything I knew to try and make him happy when he was home, but nothing seemed to make a difference. I tried to get him to go to church with us. I had started going to a church in town, but I started to understand that it's impossible to save a relationship all on your own. Yeah. So I leaned heavier on the Lord and I began to pray for our family and our marriage. And of course, specifically for my husband. And I prayed that the Lord would create in him a godly role model for our sons, that he would love us and find happiness in life. Mm -hmm. But as the months went by and things didn't change, um, it became clearer that I was not and could not be responsible for my husband's happiness. During this time, you already had the two boys that you moved. Well, you had a third child. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. obviously you were having a relationship with your husband whenever he came home and you had three yeah. boys. Tell us a little bit about the boys and how that factored into your life. Oh man, I could talk forever about my boys. <laughs> Um, five years into our marriage, we started having children. Um, all of our kids were born premature with health complications, and mm -hmm. thankfully they outgrew those. Um, it was stressful for him to have children. He was a good dad. He played with them. He helped with their bedtimes. He, you know, he wasn't he wasn't babysitting when he took the kids. But I think I don't know. It was harder for him. Um, today they're 33, 35, and 38 are all healthy, happily married, wonderful, loving fathers. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that the Lord has really done his work in them and in our family, but that was a really difficult time in our relationship again, because they took me away from him. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I never really understood that. You know, I believe I saw in what you had sent me about your life together that there was an anniversary that he dropped a bomb on you. Can you yeah. tell us that? Because I think a lot of women have these just experiences they never expected to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, as I joined the church, I have, I, and I realized that my relationship with God was between me and God. Mm -hmm not between me and my husband. I had been waiting for him to go to church with us. And, um, and I also began, as I prayed, prayed more, I realized that his relationship with God was between him and God. So I decided that I would be baptized at our church and my husband and kids were there. And I felt like there was hope in life. But two weeks later, um, my world and my marriage shattered. Um, my husband and I sat at dinner celebrating our 10th anniversary when he nervously told me that he had been with prostitutes while in Thailand on business and he had medication I would need to take immediately and gave it to me then. Wow. He gave no apology. 
He offered no comfort. Um, and of course, I was numb. Then I felt myself start to fight back, finally. Um, I left the restaurant, I left my meal, and somehow we made it home. I felt desperate, but I was determined to fight to keep our family together, even then. Oh, Kim, I literally can't imagine the devastation, <laughs> the fear, the shock. Um, yeah just a, a whole slew of emotions. Um, mm -hmm. You said you fought to keep your marriage together, but we know ultimately it ended. Can you give us mm -hmm. a little summary of kind of how and what those next weeks, months, years looked like? Yeah. Yeah. They were of course really rough. I was fighting back with, I, I you know, we didn't really argue. I just went home and beat on his chest. Um, you know, in the weeks to come, he began drinking more. He continued to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. It was the nervous. He, he, and he's, but he still blamed our family for his unhappiness. It wasn't long before another extended business trip overseas was scheduled. But this time I told him if he did that, he was not coming home to our house, but he went anyway. I was terrified of being alone and being a single parent the rest of my life. And that fear kept me hanging on to our marriage. I know it sounds unhealthy, but I felt we could work through it. And I felt we could forgive. And I felt the Lord could redeem this. And I just knew that there were things about himself that he, he could have worked through. So in protection of him, I didn't tell our families how our lives had unraveled, but I did go to my church to get counsel. That didn't end real well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think I shocked that pastor. He just sat with a his jaw open, um, unsure of what to say or do. And unfortunately I left feeling like I'd aired dirty laundry and I left feeling kind of shamed and ugly. I think you're reflecting the reality and emotions of a lot of women who find themselves in this place. And it's easy for us to step outside of this relationship and say, well, he's, you know, he's an idiot. She needs to leave yeah, him. Or, right. yeah, or to say, well, you know what? She needs to pray about it and build this relationship and really mm -hmm. stay in. But we who are outside don't know what's going on in this family between this couple. And I think I, I want to encourage women out there. I just want to take a minute to encourage women who find themselves in this place. Do and be what you need to do and be for your well-being, yeah. for your family. Do not take the shame of your spouse's problems mm -hmm. on yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do not mm -hmm. hold the responsibility that he should have on you. And do what you need to do. I don't want you to feel, as Kim did, as every woman I know who I've walked with through this problem, this challenge, this end of a marriage feel, that I don't want you to feel like you have to stay there and there is no hope. That's exactly what I would say. And I needed to work through what I needed to work through in this so that I got to the point where I could move forward freely. Mm -hmm. I needed to know that I had done everything possible from my end yeah. to, to keep this marriage together so that when it fell apart, I didn't carry guilt and shame with me. 
so of course we want to kind of talk to your next season of being a single mom. How old mm-hmm. were your kids when your marriage officially ended? And talk to us a little bit about what it was like for them specifically kind of in the beginning. When he called during that last business trip to say he wasn't coming home ever, um, he just said he didn't love me, he never loved me, and the last 10 years have been the worst years of his life. Mm. Our sons were 11 months, two and a half and five. Wow. And they had been waiting for their daddy to come home for weeks. Mm. And I felt like my life was being torn apart. All I could do was watch. And the worst part was that he left it to me to break their hearts with this decision. So after his call, I took them in my arms, sat on the bed and explained that he wasn't coming home when we thought he was. And of course they were disappointed, but they wanted to know how much longer till they came. You know, you just don't know what is the best thing to do in that situation. Um, But I couldn't lie to them. I also couldn't tell them he was never coming home. So I said he wasn't sure when he was coming home, but my five-year-old knew He started, I don't know how he knew, but he started to wail a cry that still breaks my heart. And he just said, no, mommy, he's not coming home ever. And when his brothers looked at him, they began to cry, this heart-wrenching cry. And I just held them and rocked them and tried to explain all the things that would stay the same. I said, mommy is still your mommy and our home is still our home and Nana and Papa are still your Nana and Papa and our friends are still our friends. And then I told them, and daddy is still your daddy. No matter where he goes in the world, he will always love you. But my now wiser five-year-old said, no, mommy, if my daddy loved me, he'd be right here right now. Oh, my word. Talk about ripping a mama's heart in half. (sighs) And I knew that day would define the rest of their lives. It killed me to be the one to inflict that wound. It was him, but it was me. Okay, Kim, I'm going to insert again because (laughs) I want, you said a little bit ago, you have very healthy, functioning adult sons. Yeah. For the women who are dealing with this today, where they're looking at their children, they're looking at their sons and their daughters, knowing that their father is less than, is not going Mm -hmm. to be the dad that they need, that every child wants. You know, I want to tell those moms like you are right now and your boys are now that they're going to be okay. When you're looking at them, they're going to be okay. Yes. You know, when we, I was very careful to never shame their father. Um, in front of them or say that he was bad. And they would ask, my older son would say, mommy, why is daddy doing this? And I said, sweetheart, I have no idea why he's making those choices. And I said, I don't agree with them, but but they're his choices. I didn't say anything bad or derogatory about him because the kids take on the shame of that parent. Hmm. And I wanted them to know that, and I still believed he is inherently, was inherently a good person. He just had some difficult things that he'd never worked out. And I know that sounds naive, but I, I know better now um, watching this in hindsight. We all have something we're working through uh, as, as I was. He only came home once 
during the time that they were that young before while I was a single mom. Um, it was a very tough, hard visit. His lifestyle had gotten worse. He was drinking and um, just not dealing with his life. Um, and that was very hard on our kids. And they never saw him in person after that. Unfortunately, he passed away when uh, they were in their 20s um, in Thailand. And that was really rough. That was really rough. Well, we know there are plenty of women listening to this episode who have found themselves in a similar and yet very different situation. For whatever reason, they're raising their kids alone. Now, some may share custody and have child support, while others are literally doing it on their own. And either way, it's hard. There are challenges that come with it. Um, what mm -hmm. encouragement or insight would you give to the mom who's found herself doing it alone? Oh, gosh. By way of encouragement, I would say... Um, there are some truths that I held on to. There, there are so many difficult things that single moms do, um, struggle with. My desire was to honor God in everything I did. And I know that counts, sounds kind of churchy, but that was the trajectory of my, my life after I became a Christian. I wanted something new and different. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't happen in my marriage. So when a single mom is struggling with loneliness and sexuality and self-contempt and shame, and um, so often there's addiction involved either with her or her former husband or the, the children um, have maybe learning disabilities or there's so many things that these single moms are, are dealing with. And I would say there are some truths that we have to remember that the Lord promises us. And one of them that in Psalm 25, I relied on no one whose hope is in him will ever be put to shame. Um, when we live a life devoted to the Lord and we find our grounding in his truth, we realize that his plan is not to shame us, but to shape us as we learn to walk in his ways. And I memorized this verse as a new Christian. It gave me, it was my ballast. It said, Psalm 86, 11 said, teach me your way. Oh Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. And this verse brought me to life as I realized that I was, as I walked through the years, he had a plan. He had a way for me that was founded on his truth. And what I needed to do was put both feet in, in this life with him. I couldn't remain in my old life and my new life. I had to jump in wholeheartedly. And the next thing I would say is that God has not set you aside because this relationship didn't work out. He has set you apart for a time. I, I am always telling single moms, you are a beautiful, desirable, worthy woman of God. And God is not mad at you. You're his. And he will fulfill his promise to provide for you and your children. And if I can go on, um, at that time, Mary, Jesus' mom, became my role model. As I was reading through the scriptures, I kind of wanted to mine it for, okay, what was it that Mary had that, that God saw in her? What was it about her that made him choose her? And what I realized was that she was just like us. Um, she was devoted to the Lord. 
she was young and innocent. And although she wasn't a single mom in the beginning, when she accepted the future that God put in front of her, that she could never have imagined, it could have derailed her life or gotten her killed. Yet she still chose to put her hands in God's and walk with him despite the potential shame and the risks. And when she did that, she received his favor, his promise to provide for her, his son, and he makes the same promises for us. So I firmly believe that when we put our life in his, he does not leave us alone. He's always faithful to provide. He brings redemption and resurrection and new life. And I firmly believe he wants to do the same in each of us, despite our failings, despite our past, despite our circumstances. So my bottom line is to put your trust in him and his plan. And I know it, it doesn't sound, it, I don't want it to sound trite. I just know that it's true. I love that you're sharing that because I know that there can be a stigma for Christian women who end up in a failed marriage feeling like, you know, whether it's their own feeling of failure, because like you said, you wanted to be the good Christian wife. You tried to make it work for so long, you know, under that intentionality. And then when you seemingly fail, you fear that God looks at you this way, or you experience the church looking at you this way. And so I'm so glad mm -hmm. that you chose to encourage, um, these women through the fact that God sees them and still has a plan for them. So with that, you know, that incredible encouragement you've already given. I'd love some practical advice for the single mom. I know Kate Winslet once mm -hmm. said, you always have to carry on and you can because you have to. So what are some practical ways that the single mom can continue to carry on as she has to? I think one of the first things I would say is, um, now that I just said all of that to not over-spiritualize your healing process um, so many people are going to say, oh, God can fix anything, or he won't give you more than you can bear. He's using this to build your character and all things work for good. Um, that's over-spiritualizing. When we are approached and someone hears our story and they want to step into our story with us and say, this sounds so hard. How are you doing? So many times we'll say, oh, it's been really tough, but I know God's going to use this to draw me closer to him and shape my character. No. Stop. Look at the difference. What's happening right now? When, when we say something like that, it's stopping our emotions. It's um, giving platitudes to big feelings and things that need to be worked through. So I would say, don't get in the way of your own healing um, and take that healing slowly. Don't rush into new relationships. Um, so much of our recovery happens over time. And this work is th that's being done in us is profound work. So before we complicate our lives with jumping into another relationship with a man, honor your future. Be patient with yourself and wait for God's timing because it's critical work and it benefits our kids and our families too. And then the next thing I would say is learn to lean on people. There are two things that we all need to make it through crises. We need people and we need structure. And so when we accept the help from the right people, those people that aren't giving us platitudes and aren't giving us a little pat on the hand, those people that can walk the long, the long road with us, um, 
accept help from those people and create a team of, I would say, three to 10 people who know all about you and can handle what you're going through in a supportive way. Look for people you feel safe with, for people who your dark places don't scare them. Um, It may be hard to find, but I think when we engage in a church family, a a women's group of some kind, or even codependent or support groups, um, we can find people that will hear our voice and help us move forward. And then next, I would say find specific help for your children's needs. My sons benefited from some of my friends' husbands as male role models. Um, They helped back me up when I needed to discipline and the kids were kind of trying to starting to get out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, The Lord promises to be a father to the fatherless. So don't be afraid to ask him to provide those things. And then don't be surprised when your kids lash out or struggle with new behavior issues. Their pain and frustration has got to come out somehow. And they, they start doing things that you would never expect sometimes, but we need to be patient with them and we need to get them counseling, listen to them, talk with their teachers, help them grow through it. And don't let those things go unanswered. Um, too often the discipline gets away from us and our kids don't benefit from that lack of structure either. And don't allow others to judge you for what you're going through and what your kids are doing. I had, I had people say that the, the most naive things uh, when my kids were acting out and they would tell me that I wasn't being a strong enough parent. Discipline does need to happen, but our kids need room to struggle and to, and to feel like it's okay to struggle. Um, and then I would say, create a plan for your future and check in with God and people um, regularly. By this, I mean, create routines that teach responsibility in your home, encourage um, uh, like I, friends to help. I had a friend who was huge in helping me set up a budget. Mm-hmm. Our um, Also, our church offered a free car repair ministry. You just had to pay for the parts. Um, our children's team was able to help give helpful suggestions for dealing with my kids' behavior. There's divorce care, which I highly recommend. And so many of those groups have counseling for kids. So anyway, I could go on and on, but um, those are the biggies. I would say create a plan, involve people, um, and, and keep to the structure for your sake and your kids' sakes. You know, most women who find themselves in this place really don't want to be alone. Now they may have or do have a lot of hurt and Mm -hmm. questions and thinking, are there any good men out there anyway, or should I look for them? Mm -hmm. Or do I resign myself to, I'm going to be a single mom, kids will graduate, I'll send them off, and that's going to be my role. Do they dare hope for a partner or should they just resign themselves to this is what I got? Yeah, I firmly believed I would be a single mom the rest of my life. I just thought my life was over, that God had set me aside, that I had blown it. And that was, I'd missed my one chance at happiness. And, and I also thought, so, and what, what guy is going to come along and marry a woman with three kids, right? Um, But that is such a big lie. It's probably the biggest lie single moms uh, face. Um, The Lord has not forgotten you or your desire to remarry. Um, So 
uh, I would say if you hope to remarry, um, I think the Lord, you know, he doesn't have a plan B. This is plan A. Hmm. And um, it hasn't been messed up by anything you could have done. I would say marriage is not a joining of two halves. It's a joining of two whole people who are ready to accept the challenges ahead with composure and maturity. So single moms need to use this time to normalize their introspection, um, to allow themselves to heal and grow. In other words, wait well. Don't wait for him to come and save you. Start living the life and becoming the woman that God intends for you today. Make introspection and talking about your feelings a safe and productive place. Breed humility in your home. Have healthy boundaries in your home. Become healthy where you are so that when that opportunity to remarry comes your way, you're not having to pull your life together all of a sudden. So that's what I, I just called it waiting well. Rely on the Lord's promise to redeem your circumstances, to know the desire of your heart and work on what's going inside of you so that when the opportunity comes, you're able to move into a healthy place in your relationship. I think that's all really sage, wise advice that at times will be really hard to keep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. I, yes. And I think there needs to be grace for that as well. You're going to probably stumble through making some mistakes, but I love that you, you mentioned kind of being patient, but also committed to your own healing um, yeah. to put yourself in the best position possible to ever have a healthy relationship going forward. And be able to recognize one that's healthy or not when it comes your way. Oh, there's that. I've heard from single moms that it can make them scream inside when they hear married women with children say this. I'm a single mom this week because my husband's traveling for his work. And that poor single mom is going, you have no idea what it's like (laughs) to be a single mom. You do not have a clue. You have one week where you're alone with your kids and he's probably calling you and checking on them. So, you know, sometimes I think not meaning to be, we can be insensitive to the needs of the single mom or the emotions that they have. What, What advice or what can you tell us to do to make their lives better? Oh, my friends were as available as they could be. Think of the Good Samaritan. They listened. They they were there to talk to me. They were there to drive my kids to a soccer game if I needed them to. So one of the, I, th- I think the number one thing I would say is be as vel- as available as you can with no strings attached. The last thing a single mom needs is to feel like she owes someone yeah, something. For sure. And, and even create a team of people who can be available because no one person can always be available all the time. Um, so create a team of people who allow them, make themselves available. And then the second thing is listen, listen to what's happening to her as she speaks, connect with her to her without judging her or her children. Don't try to fix, listen, fixing can happen later. But until she moves to a place of comfort and trust, we just need to listen, validate her experience, recognize that what she's going through is big and it's real, share similar feelings if you've had. I mean, we don't, we don't want to say, oh, I know just how you feel. 
if you've never been a single mom, mm-hmm. but you can share similar feelings you've had in other times to help put yourself help self in her place and allow her to vent without shame, be a sounding board. Mm-hmm. She may have no other safe person or place to talk over her personal thoughts, her budget, her fears. My friends talked to me for hours and it got me through those first six months to a year of that desperation that I felt that my life was going down the drain and I needed a hand to help me out. I think that's so helpful. I mean, I, I, I know I've been guilty of saying something kind of offhanded like that. And now I have been a single mom for a season. And so I think that's just super practical advice. And I guess I would just caution those of us who are in, you know, married or partner relationships where we do have someone to, you know, rely on and, um, Mm -hmm. to work with us to not hear that and be defensive to the times you've messed Mm -hmm. up, but to hear it and to really seek to apply it well into the lives of people we have friendships and relationships with. Don't be afraid to let people know that you appreciate their thoughts because there are going to be awkward things that we say. We don't know what to say in so many of the situations, but, but as a single mom, don't be a say, don't be afraid to say, gosh, I really appreciate that. But you know what I really need right now is, and, and say what you need because people don't know they want to help and we need to help them do that. Yeah. I think the first thing they should say, the single mom is, Hey, I got an idea. When your husband comes back in town, hand your kids off to him. So you can take mine for a little while. How about it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love the idea of not being afraid to ask for what you need. Yep. Well, Janine Wolsey Badsgard said, in the end, I am the only one who can give my children a happy mother who loves life. And I think that we believe that here at Grit and Grace. So Mm -hmm. if if we can, what's one parting piece of advice you would want to give to help single moms on their journey? Don't give yourself away to the extent that you have nothing left for you. Mm. There's it that old adage, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, or you won't be able to help anyone else. So find a healthy church, a group of safe women, hire, find, bribe, kidnap a babysitter (laughs) once a week, (laughs) whether you think you need it or not, take that time for yourself in some way. We think we have to keep on it and be perfect. At least I did and do all the things and, and make our kids' lives look like everyone else's kids' lives. But your home and your family are not going to look like everyone else's, even if you weren't a single mom. So do what you need to do to keep yourself together because a a child that has a mom who is composed has a treasure. Kim, you have given us so much today, so many insights, so much encouragement and so much reality. And we want the single moms out there to know that we really do love them want to support Mm -hmm. them, scream loudly Mm -hmm. when we're ignorant, because we believe you can be exactly who you need to be at this moment in life. So we want to help you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the Lord has so much more for any of us, but for single moms than they could ever ask or imagine. And in his time, we will find ourselves, I found myself more loved and fulfilled than I ever dreamed possible. And that was before I remarried. Mm. This is, this is the prayer I pray 
over those single moms. Can I offer that up? You Not do. a prayer, but it's a verse. Yes, please. Um, it's Ephesians three seventeen to 19. I, I always pray for them um, with this. And, I, and it says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's his promise to us. Kim, you even did our job for us finishing the episode <laughs> with a verse. So thank you so much for being willing to share your story, share your heart, share practical advice um, for both the single mom and those of us who love single moms. So thank you so much for that today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Because we truly do care about you moms, we are going to put some links for resources, some you know tools that can help you in every way, some things you can read in the show notes. And we know that you single moms can handle well this Grit and Grace life. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.